As 2010 moved into 2011, a group, a band, made a song so powerful, so raw, that after crushing billboards and emboldening the world, its power became too much. The error of creating such a banger soon came to light, forcing the band to release an apology, in the form of another song, of course. In their shame, they vanished, or so we thought. This is the story, the background, and the history of what happened to the group or band, depending on who you talk to, LMFAO. Just over 10 years ago, party rockers were in the house. And then, as soon as they arrived, party rockers, well, they apologized. They were sorry. They were sorry for party rocking. And they left. They vanished, as I had mentioned. So what happened to them? Where did they go? Where are they now? This mystery will be unraveled today in this episode of Over Analysis. I think what we need to do first is take a look at the people who made up LMFAO. And let me tell you one thing. If your name is LMFAO, you can tell that you're in the new era of, uh, of iPhones, texting, and so on. Because use an abbreviation like that now for your band name and you might not make it as far. I digress. Let's get into the history and the background of the characters that made up this infamous and quite suddenly popular uh, group. So, to get a better idea of who we're looking at here, we're going to break it down into the two main members, and it's really the two only members of LMFAO, starting with Red Foo. Yes, that is his name, Red Foo. Red is in the color, and Foo is in those guys who fight things that are named Foo. Um, anyways... So, he's been around and in the music scene since about 1993, and he's really been all over the place. Um, the first place you can kind of track him back to, looking at my notes, yep, that's the paper sound, I'll just give you a little little audio stimulation with that. Anyways, is uh, really the first place we can track him back to is the Black Eyed Peas. In 1999, uh, he was part of, I guess, their album at the time. Um, which, quite frankly, I didn't even know the Black Eyed Peas had been around that long as well. It might have been a different group at that point, but uh, the name's still there. And so he kind of meandered through different features and things that I didn't really think were important within the 2000s, and obviously they weren't super important because of how few people cared. Interestingly enough, though, a majority of his popularity in the early 2000s, if you can even call it popularity, was found with Australians. Um, and he is American, so... I think it's interesting at some point in time they thought, man, this Red Foo guy, he's uh, really cool. Well, his counterparts in the U.S. and uh, his countrymen, you could say, uh, did not think that his music was good. So it would be interesting to dive into maybe what created that uh, difference and really see what the Australians liked about it. Or maybe it's just kind of like his music was out there and the Australians saw it and said, let's listen to that or fighting snakes and scorpions and kangaroos and, and whatnot. Uh, that's all entirely possible. But moving on from there, we're going to talk about kind of the other character in this scene, and that is Blue Sky. Now, Blue Sky is Red Foo's nephew. And believe it or not, their family bonds, uh, sooner or later, actually their downfall, relates to these bonds being broken in some legal issues and some legal manners and uh, that's kind of really a, the event that took these guys down so we're going to go into that now 
So when you dig on these guys, there's really two main things that you'll find. One of them is that they just decided after working for half a decade, they wanted to separate and they wanted to disappear. They kind of just wanted to work on their own things and do what they, you know, felt was best for themselves. And I think that is an absolute lie. Because when you go to TMZ, which is an extremely reputable source, they actually got into a ton of legal issues. And the legal issues are the part that I'd like to believe because it seems more realistic for the nature of their personalities. And also, no one hardly ever, quote-unquote, disbands for collaborative and creative disagreements. So, I ended up looking a little bit further into what these legal issues were and ended up finding some pretty interesting stuff. So the first of their legal troubles actually came from Rick Ross, believe it or not. Now, Rick Ross claims that when they say every day I'm shuffling, they are directly mimicking his song in 2006, which I don't know about and I don't care about, which says every day I'm hustling. So now we have an issue where one artist is claiming bad on another two artists. And it gets worse because apparently at the time, Red Foo kept his cousin out of the loop on this. And he wanted to make sure that the deal that they got between Rick Ross and themselves was between Red Foo and Ross himself. And so by keeping Sky Blue in the dark about them sitting down and talking, it created a lot of suspicious and unease. And uh, they claim that this is the real reason that they broke up. It made a lot of further issues because apparently, in a desposition, Sky Blue actually ratted and trashed on his uncle about some of the things that he had been doing. So there's a little bit of back and forth here that creates tension, and I think ultimately the decision to disband was probably the best one. But in 2015, their legal battle actually continued with a small brewing company in Muskegon, Michigan, who said their LMFAO stout... Uh, would pose a threat to the name of the band LMFAO. So I find it quite funny that years later, um, they alleged that someone was trademarking their name or working against, infringing against their trademark when they hadn't been active or doing anything for nearly three years at this point. It's interesting to see how quickly their fame rose and how quickly it fell. And it also poses the question, well, now that they're gone... Where are they now? And I think first and foremost, I haven't talked much about Blue Sky. He's a little bit more under the radar and uninteresting. But I will mention him and what he's doing now. Uh, but I think I'm first going to go back to Red Foo, who is now 45 years old. Uh, yikes. All I got to say is, if you haven't realized that it's now 2021 and this happened almost 10 years ago, then, I mean, that's tough stuff. But he's now 45. He was actually on uh, a segment of Mad Money with Jim Cramer because he is a day trader. I don't know if this was before or after, but this is just kind of fun facts. Um, he ended up dating a, a tennis um, player after a serious accident and kind of changed him around. He wanted to follow and pursue athletics more. He ended up dating a, a very high-level female uh, tennis player, and that inspired him to actually, in 2013, try and make it into the U.S. Open. Um, 
he obviously fell pretty short of that goal, but the fact that he even tried, I think, is pretty interesting. It probably meant that he was somewhat decent at tennis. And he's now, for all you people who don't like to see cows die and, and, and chickens and whatnot, he is now vegan. Um, and he participated in like a vegan Thanksgiving tradition that he had supposedly posted on social media about. So it's cool to see that he's kind of found his place on Earth, and I hope he doesn't get too pale from eating only the veggies and having all the nutrients sucked out of him. Of course, if you're finding good ways to eat only, uh, or not to not eat animals, then good on you. So Sky Blue, must, uh, much to maybe people's disappointment or entertainment, uh, is still making music. Um, he hasn't really gotten the fame. I think he's probably hoped for, anyone hopes for success, I guess. But uh, that's really all I know about him is he's still making music. And some people claim that his party mixes and stuff are, uh, are pretty good. I mean, he's been a, in a variety of bands, released a variety of singles. And by bands, I mean more like groups. Uh, released a variety of singles and mixes. He released a free album. So I think maybe he's trying to just get his music out there. He performed at part of like a like a fashion show type deal. Um, he's not doing much though, quite frankly. Uh, besides his music, um, when you look at anything talking about him, he's pretty under the radar compared to his uncle. Um, I think maybe, who knows, maybe in 2021 he'll be back in the back in the limelight with something new. But LMFAO, um, I think, is a great testament to the rise and fall of things in our time and how quickly we can see people go from hero to zero. And I think the internet encourages that. And I think it's a, it's a fun fact to keep in mind, maybe from a business perspective or a personal perspective, how temporary things is, things are, not things is, I can't speak, how temporary things are. And how it's really important to have a plan uh, to keep yourself where you want to be. And maybe once you just make it, once you make it to where you're going, whether it's a goal or a career or a, you know, a lifestyle or a choice you want to make, once you make it there, that's not enough. You got to make sure that you're going to sustain. I think one thing I heard a long time ago was someone talking about being at the top and why it's terrible. Because once you're at the top, there's only one place to go from there, and unfortunately, that's a down. And I think you'll see that a lot in in sports performances, in music. You know, once you get to the the place you want to be, and just normally the best. And unfortunately, you'll hear plenty of stories, ESPN 30 for 30s, uh, all the like the docudramas on all those other crap channels that we see about actors and, and, and musicians who, who do something great, who do something and accomplish something wonderful and end up um, kind of down in the dumps. And I think it also goes to show that people that we might deem as geniuses, inventors, creators, um, creative people, you know, anyone who can bring content into this world in a form uh, that we appreciate and accept, they aren't perfect and they aren't different from other people. And because they do something that's more fantastic or more, not more fantastic, but that's seen by more people, uh, I think that we hold too much to that. And that when you strip away what they did, um, that they're just like everybody else. And I think that's something to consider. And that's something to remind yourself of as we look at people who accomplish things that receive more press than other people. You know, if, if, if Chad the janitor uh, makes a really quick clean up of all his, uh, 
his mopping duties and, and, and does a great job, that's not going to get press. But I think it could be equally as impressive um, under that context as someone making a top, al- like an album chart, chart-topping album, rather. Um, and so I think that's it's kind of a fun little thing to think about, you know? Like, there's people who set funny little Guinness World Records. And, you know, Guinness at this point is a business because people have to pay to set those records. But it's funny to see, like, you never know what you could be good at, and there could be some little thing that uh, that you're really good at that you could accomplish. And so I'm kind of being way too inspirational now, but I think that just shows where my mind goes when I think about people who've accomplished things or who make great songs or a great song or a arguably a good party song. Um, that You could probably still go to a house party uh, as long as it's COVID safe or whatever, or everyone's vaccinated, and, and you could still bump it, and it would still have some, some ranging success or at least prompt a discussion. And maybe, just maybe, if you're playing LMFAO at your party and someone happens to ask, hey, whatever happened to those guys? You know what? Maybe you send them my way. And if you do that, please let me know. But for now, that's all. Thank you guys for listening.